Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Ben Gorman from Wyoming, and we're going to get a elk rut report from Ben. Uh, ben has just come off a, a fantastic hunt in Wyoming where he harvested a 390-inch bull with his bow, and so I thought he would be a great person to give us some insight on what's going on in Wyoming. Ben, how you doing? Oh, pretty good, Jay. Yourself? Oh, doing great. I'm here actually in Jackson, Wyoming, and I understand you're in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, why don't you tell uh, me and the listeners uh, a, a short version uh, bio about yourself and um, uh, how you got uh, into all this, and then we'll, I want to ask you some questions about your hunt. Okay. Well, yeah, Ben Gorman. I'm a Wyoming native. I live here in Casper, Wyoming. Um, I work uh, full-time in the oil field. And then uh, I'm an ops manager for an oil field service company and then usually spend a good majority of my time uh, out in the hills doing something in the outdoors, you know, shed hunting and fishing. And hunting are kind of my passions in life and something that I probably owe my my dad for getting me into those things. And, and that's definitely continued through the rest of my life. And we own a, a small little company called Shedneck LLC, just kind of a small apparel company. Um, that really just helps promote the outdoors and promote public land hunting, and and uh, we're trying to do some cool things with that. And we have kind of a cool ambassador group started with that company, and a lot of good kind of hardcore hunters throughout the state of Wyoming. So something to really represent the, uh, the state of Wyoming for a hunting perspective, and really shed a positive light on on everything, and get more people involved in the outdoors. So fantastic! That that sounds great. Uh, uh, looks like you had a phenomenal hunt, uh, public land DIY hunt, um, harvested a big giant bull. Um, I'm yeah. looking on your Instagram uh, for for the listeners out there. It's a 307 Horn Hunter is uh, uh, Ben's yeah. Instagram handle. Uh, ben, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about the hunt? Um, and had you had you been watching that bull, or tell us, give us the lowdown on it. Well, I'll tell you what, Jay, we definitely came as a pleasant surprise when I saw that I had drawn this tag. Um, I've had some of the worst luck when it comes to drawing tags in my home state here. In 21 years of applications, I've actually only drawn one other limited quota tag, so I've gotten pretty well experienced with hunting in general. And uh, and then also had done some out-of-state hunting when, when it comes to elk, too. So, But uh, finally drew this tag. I hadn't hunted it before. I've been hunting there with friends and, and uh and actually uh, spent some time hunting that, that unit with my dad when I was a kid, which was kind of a cool backstory behind that. But um, we, I was really torn. I'm a, I'm a mule deer fanatic, and that's what I usually spend most of my time as far as scouting and everything in the summer. And I was like, man, you know, I'm going to have to really change game plans here. And, and if I only have X amount of weekends, uh, usually I spend all those during the summer scouting mule deer on general tags and on public land and, but uh, this year, you know, I had a lot of people telling me, you know, you're, you can general mule deer hunt in a year. This is a, a great elk tag, and, and I would focus on that if I were you. So, yeah, I, I kind of had to take that advice, and we ended up spending um, five weekends, five full weekends scouting this area. Um, had a ton of camera work done. Uh, we have cameras spread out a, across all different places in the unit and really trying to focus on some of the intel that we got from family and friends and biologists and everything else and kind of uh went up there and checked cameras every weekend uh my friend pete and i we hauled in a couple tree stands also to give us some other options and 
pretty sure we hauled tree stands further back in there than anybody has before. <laughs> Definitely yeah. a, a unreasonable amount of miles. So, so just to give us a lot of options, so we can hunt on the ground, hunt out of the out of a tree stand and brush in ground blinds if we had to. And we uh, we were getting a lot of really good shooter bulls um, that we were pretty excited about. And what was really kind of frustrating is everything kind of disappeared off the off the cameras about August 24th. That was the last time. So then, at that point, when when they started disappearing, they were obviously hard hard antlered. So you you had really good intel and velvet. And um, yeah. when when you say disappeared, do you you know in Arizona our bulls just moved to their rutting grounds? Do you think it was just a function of they just moved? Yeah, and, and we ended up finding out they kind of went to a back back part of the the place we were hunting that we didn't know about we figured that we had every water source kind of mapped out so we didn't expect anything to move but yeah you're you're 100 percent right jay as soon as that velvet came off i've always said never trust a mule deer or an elk with with as soon as that velvet rubs so <laughs> yeah they, uh, they all kind of disappeared and we didn't know where the heck they went we still had a bunch of elk on camera but just uh you know some of our shooter bulls we had picked out kind of disappeared so um I backpacked in there solo on September 1st, uh, spent, uh, you know, a couple of days hunting on, I tried the tree stand thing on some of the tree stands that we had and wasn't having good luck and, and wasn't having those good bulls hit that anyway. So, uh, ended up getting on a couple of the good bulls that we had, had picked out on the ground and just, you know, typical, just one opportunity after the other, just couldn't quite make it happen. And, uh, what was really odd to me is is that the that I wasn't expecting is the first day we got in there September first uh, we had bulls lighting off at at two p.m. and and bugling from their beds really yeah or, well, or, were or were they up and moving I think they were just getting out of their beds and, and getting up and moving and and uh, you know I ended up backpacking in there in shorts and a t-shirt and halfway from the truck to where I was going to camp I ended up putting on a stock in my <laughs> shorts and t-shirt before I ever even threw on camo and uh, really? I had a, yeah I had a, a good bull bugling just up in the trees above me so I thought that was kind of an anomaly the first day but it turned out you know those first six days of the season uh, we found the same thing in that area every single day between two o'clock and four o'clock they were up going absolutely bananas but it was hot, Ben. I mean, I got here on September first in Jackson, yeah. and the I mean, it was it was ninety to not quite ninety, but almost ninety degrees here. It it was absolutely brutal. In fact, for the first five days, there was not a single cloud in the sky, not a breath of wind, and uh, and it was it was hotter than heck. I mean, I debated hunting in my shorts a couple of those days because it was just terrible, and uh, but it it didn't seem to matter. I don't know. <laughs> You kind of yeah. gave me a list of the talks on here of some abnormalities that we saw, but um, my buddy Sean came up, and we've never seen anything like that in, in my whole life. I mean, and it was like clockwork every single day, and that's it was the same day we killed this bull. I, right about 2, 2.30, um, everything went bananas right in the middle of the day, and, and I mean, we were talking herd bulls bugling, you know, every 10, 15 seconds nonstop till, till 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening. And, uh, I mean, it was great for an elk hunter. We just didn't know what to expect, and it allowed you to elk hunt all day long and, and chase bugles all day long. But the mornings were slow, and the afternoons were quite a bit better, and, and uh, those elk were definitely up on their feet really early. We kind of joked around on, on uh wonder if the, the dang eclipse that came through here messed something up. But <laughs> Yeah. 
Do you think it's a function of um, a bunch of Wyoming got a lot of precipitation um, and a lot of snowfall? How much of it do you think is, you know, the high country, you know, what were the feed conditions? I mean, were there any indicators that would show that, you know, that they would be going off, you know, early, so to speak, September 1st and just tearing it up? Anything out there that you saw in conditions um, that, that might have spurred that? Um, well, they definitely got good feed, and in the area that we, we were hunting, they got great moisture, um, both for, for elk activity and for, for antler growth, really, in, in that last half of July and, and first week of August there when it really mattered. So um, that could be a function of it. Um, I don't have an explanation for it, but everything. It was also full moon that week, too. So full moon, the, the sun was out 80-plus degrees and not a cloud in the sky. And uh, elk were going bananas in the middle of the day. So <laughs> that's unreal. So you you found that bull on the sixth day and and got him killed that same day, or how did that play out? Uh, we actually we we found him on he hit our camera again on on third, and then we ended up uh, ended up spotting him on the fifth, the night of the fifth. And we had uh, we had done a little intel that night, and our cameras kind of worked out in reverse for us. Um, we didn't end up finding him on camera up top where we where we saw him on the fifth but uh we knew that if they were hanging out in this back chunk of this uh of this basin that they they had to be getting water somewhere and if they weren't hitting our camera anywhere then we we figured we had to have missed a water source in all of our scouting so we really spent some time on on that fifth day going and scouting one little chunk that we hadn't been into to see if we had missed a water source and sure enough we found a really good wallow in there that was completely tore up it would have really made sense for where we saw him the night before, and and we decided to kind of put all our eggs in one basket, stop the the ground game that we had been doing, and sit that wallow the next day. Um, we knew this. We saw this bull the the night before. Sean saw him, and I didn't. Uh, and and he actually had about a 360 satellite, and just beat the crap out of him, shoved him into the ground, and 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 uh, ran him off the mountain away from those cows. And, and I said, man, I'd be perfectly happy with any, any 340, 350, 360, anything like that. Well, yep. come in, you know, if we can go sit that wallow, um, there's got to be a chance, even if we've got to sit it for two days, then something's got to come in and drink. So we sat it, and, and sure enough, just like, uh, just like clockwork that day, we made sure we were in there about, oh, 11 a.m., and, and those bulls lit up, you know, two, what sounded like two mature bulls kind of on the back side of the, the hill right about two o'clock, two thirty, and they went bananas all the way until four thirty. And and uh, Sean and I, and I were sitting in a little ground blind that we had brushed in on that wallow, and we kind of got antsy about four thirty. And I sent him up to the top of the hill and said, "Why don't you just run up there and and see if the, what those elk are doing, and see if we can tell if they're moving, and then you know I'll sit here. It doesn't do us any good to both be sitting in the in the blind." And while he went up there, he wasn't gone for ten minutes, and and that that big herd bull that I hadn't even got a chance to really see. He came, split off his cows and came down for a quick drink. And, uh, and I <laughs> just happened to be there at just the perfect time and got drawn back on him and didn't realize which bull it was until um, I got one arrow in him and he ran out there 20 more yards and, and let me get a second shot in him too. And both, both shots hit him perfect, but as soon as that second he turned broadside for that second shot. Boy, I, I realized it was definitely the bull that Sean was talking about the night before, and I got pretty nervous. <laughs> it wow. Had, had difficulty, 
difficulty finding them in my range finder. I got shaking a little bit, but that's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, he's just a, an absolute monarch. We we got up there and got to check him out, and I just dropped to my knees. I mean, he is just as beautiful as a as a silk six can get. So beautiful bull, and you said he's right at three ninety gross. Yeah, we we green grossed him out at uh, three eighty nine, and obviously he's got some shrinkage for that. And what's really impressive to me is that he got that with only a thirty three inch spread. Wow, so he, that's awesome! Long points. Yeah, he's got uh, he got twenty one and change on his seconds, and uh, and you know twenty three, twenty four inch swords and fifty three inch main beams, and and uh, he's he's only got two bottom teeth left in his head, so he's. Uh, you know, I don't know what age that's going to put him at somewhere between probably the nine and a half and eleven and a half, but definitely on the uh, on the last years of his life, which is just the coolest thing to me. So that is phenomenal. Um, and you know, does that far exceed your expectations that you were thinking with that tag? I mean, um, in the unit that you were hunting, I mean, the bulls like that. You know, is that is that a once every couple of years they shoot a bull like that, or is that like a once every ten years type of thing? Uh, I'll tell you what, for, for public land, that, that definitely far, far exceeds what I could have ever expected. I went went into that unit, and in fact, going into that day, I, I hate to just play the game of inches, but, you know, we were really kind of hoping to get something. Biggest bull I've ever shot in my life was in the 320s with a bow, so I was, you know, really wanting something that, uh, that represented the area, and, you know, maybe a 330 or 340 bull, and and we didn't expect anything like that, but obviously going in there and doing a little scouting, you got to see some higher quality of bulls, and it seems like uh, in that unit maybe one or two uh, close to that caliber usually come off of some of the private land, and some of the outfitters um, have one like that kind of mapped out, so that's, it, it far exceeds what I thought we were going to be able to get done and, and definitely had a stroke of luck. So That's awesome. Uh, so your rut report, uh, obviously, you, your hunt ended short, um, yeah. but what have you been back out, or what have you been hearing as far as elk bugling, uh, and what is, you know, your prediction for the rest of the season for the other guys out in Wyoming chasing bulls around? Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised by the amount of, of kind of comments that we've got on, on some good red activity. You know, obviously, I was kind of in there during the pre-rut where we got you know, some of the bigger bulls rounding up cows that aren't necessarily in, in estrus yet, but, um, and then we still had some bachelor groups going on with some of the smaller bulls, but uh, I would say in the years past, it seems like we've had a good streak in the past three or four years of a really late rut, even a rut that has pushed into kind of a earlier part of October, and, and uh, everybody's been pretty frustrated around Wyoming the last, you know, three or four years, but this year, I got to say, from, from what I'm seeing it seems like um, we're having a little bit earlier red activity everything is kind of lining back up where it should be and looking at the moon phase and some of the cool weather coming in I would say man that third week of September coming up here is is probably just going to be money I mean that's that's nobody ever really knows but that uh, it's all shaping out to like we're not going to have a, a late rut like usual in my opinion that's good. Um, that's good to hear. Um, any tips that you would give guys um, out there hitting the woods? I noticed that you uh, realized that those elk weren't hitting your cameras and you kind of disappeared and you guys knew that you had to, you, you know, one tip I from hearing your story is that, you know, 
you have to figure out what they're doing, and it looks like you guys did that. You you made a you know uh, the best decision that you could make, best guess that what you know the 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 wallow that you had found was hot, and that something was going to show up there. Um, yeah. And 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 that's a great tip for guys to be able to adapt. But any other tips that you would you would think of that you could give? I just uh, something that I've learned over the past couple of years is definitely not not under, underestimating the effectiveness of of those tree stand and and uh, and wallow hunts and sitting in a ground blind for early September. I mean, especially if you want to kill a big bull. I mean, you end up just beating your head against the wall trying to call a a good bull away from his cows. I know that I have for many years in a row, and not really knowing what I was doing. <laughs> so uh, that and, and and obviously, you know, especially on public land. A lot of these elk just get super savvy to calling, and and then uh, you know, and an elk with cows obviously doesn't always want to mess with anything, and he's pretty content with his harem that he's got. So, um, you know, going in there and trying to get on a herd bull with cows and start squawking away on a on a cow call is usually has a reverse effect and it's not going to work out well for you. And that's right. I, you, yeah, I, I think we, that's a huge tip. Yeah. So we've u- usually tried to. You know, keep if you got an elk view and let him do his thing and let him keep giving away his position to you and, and try to try to get sneaky and play the wind and, and just slip in there kind of undetected the, the less that they know about where you are whether they think you're an elk or a, or a hunter the better so I mean that's something I've learned over the past couple of years and and uh, you know if, if you're looking for a smaller bull or satellite bull then and a really exciting elk hunt where you're trying to get elk coming into a call then you know the later on in September and you know, hit those cow calls and, and have some fun with it. But but uh, you got a, a herd bull bugling that's probably got some cows and just try to remain quiet and do some sneaking on them. And, and we had some plenty of good opportunity of doing that during that, that week too. So with my, uh, I definitely wouldn't consider myself an expert, but that's just my my opinion and some, some things I've learned over the past couple of years and that definitely uh, helped us be successful this year. Yeah, for sure. And your buddy shot a big giant bull too. I uh, definitely uh, recommend the listeners check out uh, your Instagram page. Uh, oh, yeah. And tell me what your um, thoughts are or your outlook on the uh, mule deer in Wyoming this year. How are they looking? Well, uh, personally, obviously, I haven't had the time to scout mule deer as, as much as I have. Um, I think, uh, in my opinion, we have some a lot of good bucks that, that did still make it through the winter. Um, I think that we might have had some, some higher amount of die-off kind of over in, in some of eastern Wyoming than, than what people think and, and maybe less die-off over in, in western Wyoming. So I know a lot of guys that are over there scouting that western side of the state and, and have, have turned up some really good bucks so far. Obviously some of the older age class and the fawns um, probably had a rough winter and we're going to pay for that in the years to come but um, it it, uh, it it seems to be looking pretty good for from everybody that I've talked to um, I don't think the, the the die-off over the western side of the state is is quite as bad and I would still expect some some big bucks to come out of there on some of the adult the higher age classes but um, I, I'm not really sure how, yeah how they how they did with with antler growth as far as the moisture kind of um, I can't give a great opinion because I'm out here in the in the desert side of things. Uh, we had a very dry summer when some of those mule deer and antelope really needed it. 
So that's kind of unfortunate to see. I think the elk did great, but uh, antler growth kind of in the lower elevations didn't seem to be as impressive as I as I thought it would be. Um, but I, I'm really excited to see what actually comes out of that western side and to see if if the predictions are are uh, are as bad as they they were. But I think we definitely had the the fawn mortality is going to be the by far the worst, and we're going to have some rough years to come. But Okay, um, Kuyu is a sponsor of this podcast. I noticed in a lot of your photos you're wearing Kuyu gear uh, for your elk hunt. What, what, clo- what clothing and what gear did you choose to go with? Um, I, I've been a firm believer that Kuyu stuff, obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not sponsored by anybody or anything, but, but for the money, um, that stuff is, has been the highest performing kind of clothing and gear that, that I've used, and, and I've been really impressed by it. Um, so and it, it did very well for us, especially kind of having some of those really lightweight options for for some of the warmer warmer weather hunts. That was really handy. So uh, definitely did very well. Blends in great to the the environment that we were in, and that's definitely always my my go to. So for the weight and the the weatherproofing that that stuff has, and and plus they got some great sales, so it seemed to work out. Right on, man. Well, I really appreciate um, your information. Give us a, a report, and congratulations on a bowl of a lifetime. And um, I guess the listeners will just have to go to your Instagram page to see what else you have up your sleeve with the other bull that your uh, hunting partner killed. And yeah. um, and you know, two bulls like that in a, in a matter of days is an unbelievable accomplishment. So, uh, congratulations and. Uh, would you give me your Instagram handle one more time so the listeners have it? Uh, my personal one is 307 Horn Hunter. Um, obviously, kind of the, the shed hunting thing that we do, and then our business page, which has a lot of that same stuff and um, shows a lot of what of our Wyoming ambassadors have been knocking down this year is is at Shednecks. So, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, God bless you, man, and uh, keep up the good work. And thanks for uh, sharing your knowledge here with us. Jay, thanks so much, man. I appreciate the opportunity, and good luck to everybody this season. All right, buddy. Take care. Yep, bye.